0: It is March, and uh, we've been speculating a, a whole bunch about this uh, bracket, how the seating was going to go, and we finally have our answers. And the guy that's been guiding us, Brian Tonsoni, here for quite some time, part of Delphi Bracketology. Um, these kids, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a school thing, which is amazing. This is an amazing club. And uh, Brian, first off, welcome back to the show. Uh, you, you finally got your answers here this year. You were deprived of them last year. But now we have a bracket. How, how did the kids do? How did you guys end up making out?
1: Um, we, we had our highest score ever, um, and we've been doing this since 2015. Nice. Um, so we had uh, 53 seeds exactly correct, which is an all-time high. Usually we're in the 44, 47 range um, around there. Um, we had um, another nine that were just one seed off. And so we had 62 that were correct or one seat off. That actually was lower, but you get more points for the correct ones. So you get six <laughs> points versus four. So our score went went up, and we finished third out of 203 brackets entered. Wow. Tied for third, and missed the a win by three points. The the winner uh, was three points ahead of us. Second place was uh, at 370, and so we feel really really good in the COVID year. We didn't get to meet as much and do our uh, you know, we'd go out to a restaurant and, and those types of things. And so uh, we weren't able to do a lot of those things this year, but we, we got together when it counted in the last three or four weeks and, and were really able to hammer it uh, hammer it out.
0: So, what, 68 teams. How many of those did you, did you have every team, correct, or did you guys miss out on one?
1: We missed out on um, Wichita State. We had Louisville in and Wichita State out. Uh, and the committee flip-flopped those. So uh, that was the one mistake, and we were discussing that uh, at uh, 445. Yeah, but we probably, if we put Wichita State, we probably would have dropped Drake. Uh, Louisville was one or two slots higher. So they weren't, uh, they weren't at that point on our radar once uh, Houston was winning their conference. I, we didn't think Louisville was in jeopardy, but it turned out they were.
0: All right, so when you took a look at how this thing lays out, compared to what you guys had. Who do you think, uh, let's take Louisville off the plate here, seeing as you think they should have been in the tournament. Who is that team that you're like, wow, the committee had a lot more love for them than we obviously did? Who got the sweetheart deal out of the uh, entire bracket, you think?
1: I think BYU and San Diego State uh, getting six seeds. Um, You know, I I understand that those conferences don't have the, the strength that the Big 12 or the Big 10 has. Uh, but but we we as basketball fans in general, and then committee members think it's the the number of wins in quad one and two, and the quality of wins that really should drive this. And then the metrics, the offense and defense, should break ties after that. Um, and it looked like those metrics for BYU and San Diego State uh, drove their selection up to six, uh, despite uh, BYU only having three quad one wins and San Diego State only having one, but their net ratings were twenty and eighteen and and uh so i thought they got um a, a really good uh, deal there being a 6 seed and now playing 11 so those were the two teams uh that i thought um i could maybe understand one of them getting a 7 and one of them getting an 8 um, but i think you got to beat good people to to get into those top 6 or 7 seeds and i don't think BYU or san diego state did that
0: so that's that's the you you think the factor that they treasured the most here uh when it came to seeding uh that aspect of the net
1: I I do, um, to some extent, the, the 18 and 20 uh, Nets would equal five seeds. So it could be that they were, you know, it wasn't exactly the Nets, uh, but I think they have, the committee the last two times has had a little bit of a, a heart for the mid-majors, which I really don't mind, um, or the smaller schools and the smaller conferences. And, um, you know, it's hard to compare data when you have a, an emotional tie like that because I think BYU and San Diego State are deserving teams uh, I would have had you know a San Diego State at one point was a seven for us so that's not too far off um, but there were some other problems in the other direction uh, that I thought too uh, too much reliance on the net um, which uh, again I like and I think is a better metric than the RPI uh, but I'd like to see it tweaked a little bit. And again, it's who you beat, and then the offensive metrics to break the tie. I think it's kind of at least equal or a little more metric
0: based. We're talking with Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology on the Hammerhead Hotline, uh, with just a tremendous year of picking these seeds. This group has done a great job. We talked about uh, who got the uh, kiss here. Well, uh, how about the opposite end of that spectrum, Brian? Who got the screws put to him the most? You think? Uh, who did the committee just? did not have enough respect for it in your estimation
1: first of all oklahoma state um 10 quad one wins uh they did lose twice to tcu that was sticking out there and their net was the 29 to get a four seed and not a three seed the way they played down the stretch beating baylor and uh beating some teams was a shock to us and then on the other end uh you have oklahoma as an eight seed and missouri as a nine both of those have really good wins against quality and, again, that's where the committee, I think, said, well, you're going to beat good teams if you're in good conferences, you know. So um uh, a little shocked that Oklahoma got an eight and Missouri got a nine. Those are the three, and the three only. I mean, when we get 53 right, and I don't mean to be bragging or equal, but we got 53 exactly right. So getting three, three schools a little bit off is, is not horrible. But those are the three as a fan and as a bracketologist, I think, um, the committee could have moved up a, a seed line or two and made things a little bit better.
0: Brian Purdue gets that four seed in, in the South and they take on uh, North Texas. It seems like a great draw, in my estimation, here, especially with Villanova dealing with uh, you know uh, injuries to uh, one to the to the point guards. I mean, the backcourt's not exactly as, as strong as uh, it's traditionally been at Villanova. But I, I think if you're a Purdue fan and you've looked at these numbers here, I, you gotta love where they're sitting at right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, any time you're a four seed and play a 13, you're going to be heavily favored. You just got to make sure you're ready to go. Um, you know, you avoided the uh, Jason Preston, who's a really good guard at Ohio, who could win a game by himself. Uh, he already beat Liberty, but knew that was a battle in the preseason, so that game wasn't allowed to happen, the 4-13. And North Texas won last year and didn't get to go to the dance and is, has five seniors. So you got to win that first game first. Uh, and those 13 seeds can be tricky if they get hot and Purdue's not playing. But then, yeah, you got Villanova without its point guard. Um, if you're going to play Villanova, now's the time to get them. So it, it looks like, uh, to me, uh, Purdue should get to the Sweet 16, and then they got Baylor. And even Baylor hasn't been the same since they had their uh, pause for COVID. Um, they've lost to some good teams and haven't played at the efficient rate that they did, too. So it could break for the Boilers here that they're catching some teams in their bracket at the right time.
0: It seems like everybody's in agreement on who these one seeds are. I would assume that you got those as well. The, the two yep. seeds seem to be almost, I mean, I don't have any problem with any of these two seeds. Ohio State, uh, Iowa, uh, Alabama, who's a lot of fun to watch because they chuck a lot of threes, and yep. uh, and Utah as well. Um, this, this tournament feels a little bit top-heavy to me, but I'm sure there's a couple of Cinderella's that you guys have looked at uh, that uh, you'd like to ride. G- give me, give me one or two teams. You're like, listen, they're not a top, they're not a top two seed, but uh, you watch out because we really believe in them.
1: Sure, let's start um, in, in the seven eight range. I think UConn. Um, they they lost, went four and four without their star James Booknight, and at that seven seed, uh, I think they can make a run if they get hot. Uh, that's a team I'm watching. Uh, obviously, I like Loyola Chicago. They're close here. They they play in the Missouri Valley. Uh I, I think I don't think they're gonna beat Illinois, but you wouldn't be surprised if, if they made a, a little bit of a run. And and I like Syracuse and Michigan State from those eleven slots. Michigan State's playing here at Mackey in a play in game. But both of those teams were hot down the stretch and their power five schools. If that if that uh, momentum continues, I see them making um a, a run to get to a, a, a sweet sixteen. The larger seeds, uh I think um Ohio um has a chance. Uh, to to make it, UC Santa Barbara and Winthrop, those three all have outstanding players. And like I said, that's a one-game recipe that we like on those first two nights when when that one team senior laden or that one player goes off for 30, 40 points or whatever, and it's a buzzer beater against a well-known team. Um, But I think Jason Preston at Ohio uh, is the one that I'm going to look at. And I, I have either Ohio or UC Santa Barbara a lot of times in my Sweet 16 and in my bracket of integrity, I'm trying to do one this year <laughs> instead of 40. My bracket of integrity, is my one I'm going to enter in every bracket that really matters, I'm going to have Ohio and Santa Barbara playing for a right to go to the Sweet 16.
0: I'm curious of where you had Georgetown at, because they make that great run um, out there in the tournament. And they finished 13-12. and 12. You know my disdain for Michigan State and how I thought there's yep. no way they would make them play in a first-four game and they get them playing UCLA in a first four-in game. Where did you have Georgetown at, and do you feel that it's fair to put a team, like I said, 13 and 12, give them a 12 seed uh, as opposed to uh, making them play in one of those uh, first four? Yeah. Well, Georgetown is a
1: 12 seed, um, but the rules have it if you win your conference tourney, you can't be in a play-in game unless you are the last four conference tourney teams. So those 16 seeds are conference winners, but they have to play in a play-in game. Everyone else who wins their tournament, the 31 or 32 automatic qualifiers, they can't play in that uh, 11 or 12 play-in game. So once Georgetown won, once Oregon State won, that moved the bottom up, and that's how Michigan State uh, was eventually selected to play uh, in in a play-in game. If those two, if Georgetown and Oregon State don't steal a bid, Michigan State's a regular 11 seed and not playing in a play-in game. Uh, So that's how that happens
0: yeah got got an old pit fan out here loving Georgetown I, i'll tell you what there's some weird this this month makes some real strange bedfellows that's for sure uh bright yeah. i i know you're also a part of the uh the, the stadium call there and uh i heard i don't know if you guys were aware of this i saw it looks like a small thing on the news about your coach or something maybe they're looking for a new yeah. one um yeah. I, I haven't heard much about it or any speculation that uh, would be wildly yeah. Anyway, um, I was thinking, as a guy who covers that program uh, on occasion, do you have any inclination of uh, where you think the next head coach might be coming from? Well,
1: you know, they got to get it right. Uh, and that's easier said than done. You know, um, some good coaches have come in since Bob Knight uh, was let go. Uh, coaches that have been the Final Fours uh, or Elite Eights, and they've struggled, um, whether it's pressure or whatever, at Indiana they have not panned out um and and so you know i i think there had to be a change i just think it got to be to a point where there's a disconnect in the program and things weren't moving forward uh, i hate to see it as a fellow coach myself i know i know what it's like uh, to have to move on from a, a coaching job and it's never easy on the family and the players and all that so i don't i don't cheer any kind of firing as a fan or anything because there's a human side to it that uh, that I know too well from, from the coaching aspect. But I do think it was best for the program in the long run. Um, and, and we need to get someone who's done it before. Now, I don't know how easy that's going to be. I mean, when you've had five, you know four or five coaches um, come in and, and struggle and someone's successful at another program, why would you pick up and leave for Indiana? Uh, the only reason is you still think Indiana 1987, 1990s with, with Bob Knight, if you can recapture that. Uh, but I think Indiana has to shoot big. Um, but I'm realistic. I don't think the big guys are going to come, and then you got to find the best, the best, next best guy. Which Indiana thought they had. Everyone across the nation thought Archie Miller was checked all the boxes. Um, so you know we'll find out two or three, da- you know, years down the road if-, if Scott Dolson makes the right decision. I hope he does. Uh, I'm rooting for it because I- I'm tired of-, of filling out these brackets uh, and not having the, the Hoosiers in them.
0: You know, though, but it, it, you're on the human, side so you bring up the human side of it. Nobody gives you a $10 million check, though, after they ask you to no longer be there, right?
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean,
0: there's a little bit, of, I do have a little bit of pity, because I, I brought this up uh, yesterday on Twitter and had a discussion with some folks, too. I, it's, it's it's wild to me that in a pandemic, and and you have the people that continue to struggle and things, and people that have lost so much that you... That somebody has ten million dollars and says, "Here's a check for ten million dollars. Please fire a guy or pay the guy not yeah. to to do anything." That's that's a little wild to me. I get it that it's a business and all that stuff, but when I look at it like that, it's wild to me that we can pay somebody that there's that money to do that and not money to do other things. Sometimes I just it boggles my it, it, mind. It is it boggles my
1: mind too because maybe there's a small business that could have used an influx of cash during the COVID, a a restaurant or, or something, you know. I know basketball is important in this state. It is to me. It's a big part of my life too. And you know, and I don't want people telling me what to do with my small teacher salary and coach salary. So I'm not telling those millionaires, you know, necessarily what to do. But it is kind of mind boggling the the cash that's being thrown around.
0: I'll tell them what to do all day. <laughs> Ten million dollars to fire a guy <laughs> seems ridiculous to me. But I understand uh, why they did uh, it. The program's got to get better. You don't want to slip into apathy. Right. Uh, I I under, I understand that part of it. I I really really do. Oh, hey, Brian, before we let you go, um you guys have put together some capsules too, right, for the uh tournament like kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit about just, those.
1: What what we do with our our webpage is try to hit the mobile user who wants a quick read. You know, we're, we're not, you know, um reporters. We haven't been to journalism school. We just try to hit lists or top contenders, best game to watch. Uh, and, and we did that for each of the four regions uh, on com. If you just want to see, you know, some quick thoughts about those regions, uh, what our kids and our guys think um, as we talked about it, uh, we just put out a few capsules uh, for your entertainment. Uh, you can go to com. follow us on Twitter at Delphi Brackets. We'll have some commentary, some polls, uh, just some interaction thing. Nothing nothing really altering if you want deep analysis uh, there's some national places you can go but um you know we try to again get that mobile user who wants to just look at something for 30 40 seconds and and get a quick read and and if that uh helps somebody out, then we're grateful for doing
0: it. I mean, I'm not listening to these national guys. So trust me, I, I watch them try to fill content. It's terrible. I'd much rather go to the guys that have given me the third best bracket in the country and uh, see what their thoughts are on this uh, before I start checking in with some of these other yokels who are just... Uh, I don't even know, <laughs> we, man. We love hearing that. We yeah. love hearing that. I mean that. That's straight from my heart. I love you guys. I think yep. you guys, what you guys do is fantastic. I, I wish there was more groups like that. I hope it inspires more schools to start doing things like that because uh, it's truly unique, and uh, I love that you guys have had the success that you do. It shows me that you guys have put a lot of work into it, and uh, that's awesome. Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology. Again, check out their website, check out their Twitter handle. Just because the seeds are set doesn't mean they don't have great stuff for you. Brian, always love having you on the show, man. Thank you so much. Yep, we appreciate you uh, supporting us as well. All right, take care, buddy. Uh huh. We'll see you. All right, so hang around here though. We got more uh we got more Hammer Down show for you coming up next here on 101.7 the Hammer and